Section 36 of Final Report of the Advisory Committee on Human Radiation Experiments. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Final Report of the Advisory Committee on Human Radiation Experiments. Case Studies. Chapter 7, Part 1. Non-Therapeutic Research on Children in the late nineteen forties and again in the early nineteen fifties massachusetts institute of technology scientists conducting research fed breakfast food containing minute amounts of radioactive iron and calcium to a number of students at walter e fernald school a massachusetts institution for mentally retarded children the national institutes of health the atomic energy commission and the quaker oats company funded the research which was designed to determine how the body absorbed iron calcium and other minerals from dietary sources and to explore the effects of various compounds in cereal on mineral absorption in nineteen sixty one researchers from harvard medical school massachusetts general hospital and boston university school of medicine administered small amounts of radioactive iodine to seventy children at the rentham state school another massachusetts facility for mentally retarded children with funding from the division of radiologic health of the u s public health service the scientists conducting this experiment used rentham students to test a proposed countermeasure to nuclear fallout specifically the study was meant to determine the amount of non-radioactive iodine that would effectively block the uptake of radioactive iodine that would be released in a nuclear explosion recently these two studies have received considerable media attention and an official massachusetts state task force has reported on both episodes in some detail although they represent special cases because they involve institutionalized children the Fernald and Rentham experiments, nonetheless, are the most widely known examples of a category of research that raises particular concerns for the committee, non-therapeutic experimentation on children. Experiments involving children are important to the committee for two reasons. First, children are more susceptible than adults to harm from low levels of radiation, and thus, as a group, they are more likely than adults to have been harmed as a consequence of their having been subjects of human radiation experiments. Second, an evaluation of research with children is critical to determining whether any former subjects of radiation experiments should be notified in order to protect their health, one of our specific charges. Subjects who were children at the time of their exposure are more likely than adults to be candidates for such notification both because of their increased biological sensitivity and because they are more likely to still be alive see chapter eighteen for the committee's recommendations with respect to notification and follow-up we elected to focus on pediatric research that offered subjects no prospect of medical benefit so-called non-therapeutic research because it is this kind of research that has generated the most public concern and is the most ethically problematic this is not to say however that experiments on children in which the children stand to benefit medically never raise ethical issues such research certainly can and does but in deciding how to allocate our limited resources we chose to concentrate where the issues are most sharply drawn also 
because most non-therapeutic research with children involved tracer doses of radioisotopes focusing on this work allowed us a window into radioisotope research generally we begin the chapter by setting the context for non-therapeutic radiation experiments on children we review those factors that make non-therapeutic research on children ethically problematic and how such research has been viewed historically we next consider what the practices and standards were for research on children in the 1940s 1950s and 1960s this is a continuation of the discussion in chapter two which focused on professional standards and practices for human research the next three sections address human radiation experiments in terms of the central ethical issues raised by non-therapeutic research involving children level of risk authorization for the involvement of children and selection of subjects to address the question of risk we analyzed twenty-one non-therapeutic radiation experiments with children conducted during the nineteen forty four nineteen seventy four period the focus of this analysis is whether it is likely that any of the subjects of these experiments was harmed or remains at risk of harm attributable to research exposures a table summarizing these experiments and our risk estimates can be found at the end of this chapter the twenty-one experiments were selected from eighty-one pediatric radiation research projects identified by the committee from government documents and the medical literature although these eighty-one by no means constitute all the pediatric radiation research conducted during this time they include what are likely fairly typical examples of such research of the eighty-one thirty-seven studies were judged to be non-therapeutic and twenty-one of these were conducted or funded by the federal government and thus fell under the charge of the committee included within these twenty-one studies were the two nutrition experiments conducted at the fernald school and one fallout related study conducted at the rentham school discussed in the introduction to this chapter all twenty-one studies employed radioisotopes to explore human physiology and pathology we turn next to a consideration of how authorization for the inclusion of these children in these experiments was obtained and who these children were unfortunately for most of these experiments little is known about either of these issues the last section of the chapter focuses specifically on the experiments at the fernald school where thanks to the work of the massachusetts task force on human subject research relevant information is available throughout the chapter we focus only on research in which children could not have benefited medically the committee did not have the resources to pursue two related areas of research non-therapeutic research on pregnant women and therapeutic research on children we include two capsule descriptions of examples of these types of research at the end of this chapter the context for non-therapeutic research with children children as mere means in both law and medical ethics it has long been recognized that children may not authorize medical treatment for themselves except in special circumstances instead authorization must be sought from the parent historically the source of this respect for parental authority 
rested upon the view that children were the property of their parents and thus parents had the right to determine how their property was to be treated today we still speak of parental rights although the justification for these rights no longer rests on an analysis of children as property instead respect for the rights of parents is viewed as a mechanism for valuing and fostering the institution of the family and the freedom of adults to perpetuate family traditions and commitments another important line of justification for respecting the authority of parents relies not on a recognition of parental rights but on the view that the interests of the child are generally best served by ceding decisional authority to the parent the parent is thought not only to be in the best position to determine what is in the interests of the child but is also thought to be generally motivated to act in the child's best interests when research involving children offers a prospect of medical benefit to the child's subject the application of the above analysis is straightforward parents are generally thought to have the authority to determine whether their children should be made subjects of such research certainly today any use of a child in research would not be ethically acceptable or legally permissible without the parent's permission where the research does not offer any prospect of benefit to the child however the legitimacy of the parent as authorizer is less clear respect for the authority of parents to make decisions for their children and otherwise control their children's lives is not without bounds the law recognizes several exceptions designed primarily to protect the child from what society at large considers to be unacceptable or unjustifiable harm or risk of harm laws against the physical abuse of children are perhaps the most obvious example of such limitations on parental authority in the context of research the question arises of whether a parent has the authority to permit a child to be put at risk of harm in an experiment from which the child could not possibly benefit medically in this case the child is to be used as a means to the ends of others children are not in a position to determine for themselves whether they wish to agree to such a use and thus cannot themselves render the use morally acceptable should parents have such authority should anyone this question was resolved as a matter of public policy in the nineteen seventies through the work of the national commission for the protection of human subjects of biomedical and behavioral research and the subsequent adoption in nineteen eighty three of federal regulations governing research involving children that were guided by the recommendations of the national commission these regulations state that children can participate in federally funded research that poses greater than minimal risks to the subject if a local review committee an institutional review board or irb finds that the potential risk is justified by the anticipated benefit to the subjects the relation of the anticipated benefit to the risk is at least as favorable to the subjects as that presented by the available alternative approaches and adequate provisions are made for soliciting the assent of the children and permission of their parents or guardians the word consent is purposely avoided in these regulations to distinguish parental permission and minor assent from the autonomous legally valid consent of a competent adult 
federal regulations do allow non-therapeutic research on children if an irb determines that the research presents no greater than minimal risk to the children who would serve as subjects although no clear definition of what constitutes minimal risk is provided as with therapeutic pediatric research parents or guardians must grant permission and children who are deemed capable must offer assent the regulations also allow for non-therapeutic research with children that does present more than minimal risk again with parental permission and assent of the child as appropriate but only if the risk represents a minor increase over minimal risk the procedures involved are commensurate with the general life experiences of subjects and the research is likely to yield knowledge of vital importance about the subject's disorder or condition research with children that is not otherwise approvable may be permitted but only under special and presumably rare circumstances in addition to local irb review such research must withstand the special scrutiny of the secretary of the agency sponsoring the research who is to be advised by a special irb the secretary must also allow the opportunity for public review and comment on a proposed non-therapeutic research project that is not otherwise approvable the regulations thus draw a sharp distinction between therapeutic and non-therapeutic research non-therapeutic research while severely restricted is not banned the decision to permit parents to authorize the use of their children in non-therapeutic research reflects both the recognition that some important advances in pediatrics could only come from research with children that was of no benefit to them and the recognition that we all as parents as potential future parents and as members of society share in the interest of advancing the health of the young at the same time however parental authority to permit such use of a child is generally restricted to research judged to pose little risk as important as it is to promote the welfare of children as a class this interest justifies only minor infringements of the principle not to use people as mere means to the ends of others these nineteen eighty three regulations and the reasoning behind them were the culmination of considerable public debate and scholarly analysis much of which occurred in the nineteen seventies to situate properly the experiments of interest to the committee it is necessary to examine the social and professional roots of the issues and arguments that ultimately led to the federal regulations public attitudes professional practices attitudes and practices prior to 1944 there was significant research interest in infants and children as early as the 18th century as scientists began to experiment with vaccines and immunization children were particularly valuable subjects for this type of research because in general they were less likely than adults to have been exposed to the disease being studied a child's response to immunizations was also of great interest because most immunizations were performed during childhood during the nineteenth century the industrial revolution greatly increased the number of child laborers and the public began to acknowledge the need for laws to protect children from abuse physicians started to specialize in pediatrics studying specifically 
the health problems and diseases that afflicted children simultaneously as social reformers were creating a wide range of institutions for children such as orphanages schools foundling homes and hospitals scientists recognized the value of research conducted in these types of institutions in the late nineteenth and early twentieth centuries alfred f hess the medical director of the hebrew infant asylum in new york city conducted pertussis vaccine trials and undertook extensive studies of the anatomy and physiology of digestion in infants at the asylum according to advisory committee member and historian susan letterer hess sought to take advantage of the conditions in the asylum as they approximated those conditions which were insisted on in considering the course of experimental infection among laboratory animals but which can rarely be controlled in a study of infestation in man although many shared hess's laudable goal of improving the health of asylum children many people drew the line at the pediatrician's investigations of scurvy and rickets in order to study the disease hess and his colleagues withheld orange juice from infants at the asylum until they developed lesions characteristic of scurvy responding to the public discussion of the ethics of using children in such non-therapeutic experiments the editors of one american medical journal insisted that such investigations gave the children an opportunity to repay their debt to society even as they conceded that experimentation on human beings should be limited to children as may be utilized with parental consent hess's work was not the only case in which experiments involving children attracted negative public opinion in eighteen ninety six for example american anti-vivisectionists attacked a boston pediatrician arthur wentworth who performed lumbar punctures on infants and children in order to establish the safety and utility of the procedure the anti-vivisectionists were particularly alarmed because this procedure which caused pain and discomfort did not confer any benefits to the subjects john b roberts a physician from philadelphia labeled wentworth's procedures human vivisection saying that using the children in the hospital without explaining his plan to their mothers or gaining their permission intensified public fear of hospitals the twentieth century brought new drugs and advanced technologies which allowed for increased research on children the conduct of this experimentation however was largely left to the individual investigator when his experimental gelatin injections provoked alarming symptoms of prostration and collapse in three normal children including a feeble-minded four-year-old girl the physician isaac apt stopped his pediatric experiments and began experimenting on rabbits meanwhile legislation was being proposed throughout the country to protect children and pregnant women from experimenting physicians two proposals were introduced in the u s senate in nineteen hundred and nineteen o two proposals to prohibit such terrible experiments on children insane persons and pregnant women and to ensure that no experiment should be performed on any other human being without his intelligent written consent were introduced in the illinois legislature in nineteen o five and nineteen o seven in nineteen fourteen and nineteen twenty three the new york legislature considered bills that prohibited experimentation with children 
although these bills did not become law it is clear that some unease concerning non-therapeutic research on children existed among the public and elected officials reaction to the polio vaccine trials conducted during the nineteen thirties further demonstrated the growing discomfort over pediatric experimentation as thousands of american children were involved in what some considered at the time to be premature trials of the polio vaccine although it appears that parental consent was obtained for a number of these studies the controversy over these trials stalled polio vaccine research for almost two decades and generally made investigators ambivalent about the use of human subjects although there are no legal cases that bear directly on non-therapeutic research with children during this period an appellate court ruling in nineteen forty one bonner v moran involving the performance of a non-therapeutic medical procedure on a child without parental consent suggests how such a case might have been decided john bonner a fifteen-year-old african-american boy from washington d c had undergone an experimental skin graft for the benefit of clara howard a cousin suffering from severe burns when he discovered that john bonner had the same blood type as the burn victim howard's plastic surgeon robert moran persuaded bonner to allow him to fashion a tube of flesh by cutting from the boy's armpit to his waistline this procedure however was conducted without the consent of a parent as his mother with whom he lived was ill at the time and knew nothing about the arrangement moran then attached the free end of bonner's flesh tube to clara howard hoping that the flesh and blood link would bring benefit to the burned girl due to poor circulation in the tube the procedure did not help the burn patient and put the healthy boy who was required to stay in the hospital for two months at significant risk and left him with permanent scars bonner's mother brought suit against moran for assault and battery the appellate court based its ruling against moran on what it perceived as a disturbing combination of lack of direct benefit for john bonner and a lack of permission from the boy's mother here we have a case of surgical operation not for the benefit of the person operated on but for another we are constrained therefore to feel that the consent of the parent was necessary the court did not refer to the episode as an instance of experimentation but the parallels between this novel procedure performed for the benefit of another and a non-therapeutic medical experiment are quite powerful End of section 36